Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Love Talk Radio. If I ever do anything right. I want to be so good This little life If I ever Wake in the night I want to know I tried my best For this little life Oh, and time will tell But my Funded show. No part of this program should be construed as medical advice. And now your host, Gina Kirby. Good morning, everybody. I just wanted to welcome you to the program. You're listening to Progressive Parenting Radio. Thank you so much for joining us today. A uh, special program in that uh, we had some stuff going on at the house, so I had to leave the house and you. Wife, wi- Wi-Fi from elsewhere, so I'm really sorry about any background noise. I'll be uh, muting out as much as possible. Um, I'd like to thank you for joining us on today's show. It's uh, such uh, an important topic that we're going to be talking about today, and uh, I'm really glad that you uh, decided to join us, so thank you so much. Uh, if you've never listened to Progressive Parenting before, our goal is to connect and not alienate and to advise uh, I'm sorry, not advice, <laughs> and uh, just to share information. So thank you so much for joining us again. My guest is already on the line, so I'm going to have her introduce herself once I get her on here. Let's see if I can do this. Don't uh, it's connecting. Hi, Nicole, are you with us? Hi, Gina. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Thanks for having me. So, I'm really glad that you're on the program. I've been wanting to do this like for forever with you. So, if you could just uh, let our listeners know a little bit about your background, like how how you came to even have these types of conversations. I mean, I live for your Facebook Live ones um, that you guys do because I learn so much every single time. And um, I would just love for you to introduce yourself and tell folks how you got started with this very interesting topic. Okay, cool. Thanks. So, um, raising kids without sexual shame is, uh, it was actually birthed as uh, part of um, 
my attentiveness to birth, which is um, kind of, you know, some of the ways that you and I overlap. Um, I was prepping for my second birth and um, realized that some of what had been in the way for me with my first birth was a sense of ownership over my sexuality in a way that I knew would um, I needed to reclaim if I wanted to have a better birthing experience the second time. And as I was doing that, I was speaking with Alina Gabosh, who I do Raising Kids Without Sexual Shame with. And she's, uh, she was the executive director for the Foundation and Center for Sex Positive Culture for, I think it's like 13 or 15 years here in Seattle. And um, as I started doing this work with myself, other people started asking me to do this work with them. And so I was doing work to help um, people integrate their sexuality into their birth prep, basically. And uh, I kept hitting up against this thing that I didn't know what it was. And Alina um, was able to say to me, and another person that I used to teach a class on um, the clitoral complex with named Terry Chalky, they both, you know, they, they're older than me. They've been sex educators a long time. And they're both just like, oh, yeah, that's sexual shame. And I was like, what are you talking about? What's sexual shame? I don't know what sexual shame is. I mean, really, it took me like a long time to sit and, and in these conversations and, and do this work to even really tangibly comprehend what sexual shame was enough so that we could even identify it and start to um, heal it, put medicine to it. So in that conversation with Alina, I said, man, and I'm pretty sure Terry was there too. It was me and Alina and Terry. And I said, um, well, man, what would birth be like for a generation of people that had no sexual shame? And Alina said to me, I don't know, but let's find out. And that was the birth of Raising Kids Without Sexual Shame. Uh, I'm glad that she did. I'm glad that you guys wanted to find out. I'm glad that you did. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of huge. It comes up all the flipping time for me as a doula. Um, yeah. It's shocking because, um, you, well, it was shocking in the beginning, and now it's kind of like derogatory for me. I'm like, oh, yeah, of course, because so many people um, have sexual shame. Yeah. And, and it, yeah. Um, it was just really surprising to me at the beginning, and now it's not. And now I'm like, how to? How do we heal? How do we do this? Uh, um, as much as I want to talk about it as a doula, I want to talk about it as a mom. Like, let's yeah. start at the beginning. Yeah. So basically, what we came up up to up with was that no one knows how to do it. We, you know, we were very clear that you know everybody has sexual shame. So we weren't going to start to say, okay, here we are, the experts on this, and here, let me tell you how to do it. So what we did instead was we created a forum for community dialogue. And we would meet with whoever showed up. And the intention was to um, brainstorm situations with children um, and how to educate them on sexuality in a context that didn't um, shame them. So we would get together, and I think the first one we had probably had 20 people at it, and it varied from five people to 30 people, depending on who showed up. And we really just did this as like a community service type thing for, for a good amount of time. 
uh, and we met monthly and whoever showed up, that's who we had the conversation with. And so the, com- the, the conversation would go something like this. Um, here's one I heard a lot. Um, I have a three-year-old uh, son and he keeps holding his penis while we're in public. And the parents would say, this makes me feel really uncomfortable. I really don't know what to do with this. And so right. we would throw that into the group. We'd throw that into the group and say, okay, guys, how would we, um, what do you guys think are ways that we could talk to this family and talk to the son about this in a way that doesn't shame him? And it would literally turn into a community dialogue. And within no time, you'd come up against ways in which the adults in that room had been shamed around the topic. So it became this like um, healing circle while also being a strategy planning session and all this would kind of happen all in one place and at one time. So that's what grew out of. At this point, Alina Alina and I have done it enough that we've got a bunch of these stories so we can share them. Um, You know, it gets to a point like that one. We've heard that one so many times that now when somebody else will ask about it, we can say, well, these are the different ideas that came up. Um, We focus a lot on autonomy. We focus a lot on helping the parents recognize that part of what they're doing as they're raising their kids without sexual shame is also healing the parts of them that have been shamed. So we're not going to like dissociate and pretend that we don't have that. Right. That's so big though, Nicole, like when I first started talking to you, all the stuff started coming up with me, like, like what's the, how do, how have parents, you know, sexually shame their children. And I remember like, I remember my grandma, like, early memories of changing my diaper and, like, Mm -hmm. saying mean things to me about, like, the poop in my diaper. Like, I I had any choice in what was happening and calling me cochina and stuff for, like, just having regular, you know, a bowel movement like any kid would. Um, Those are, like, really good memories or, like, um, uh, just ever like the reaction that you would have to a kid like just touching themselves where like you right. said the healing starts because I remember walking in and one of my kids I won't say who they are because they'll kill me was <laughs> 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 in the bathroom and she's like got her hand behind her back and I said well what are you doing and she looked at me and she goes I swear there was like an audible and she goes nothing and I said okay <laughs> just kind of walk away <laughs> and, yeah, uh, right. and it's, it's good to just kind of leave her be you know she's alone in the bathroom mm-hmm. I, I think we talk later and I was like later you, you know you just know that you don't do that stuff around other people because that's your private time you know because mm-hmm. I don't even know if, I, if that was correct in telling her that but that's what I said instead of like oh my gosh my grandma would have screamed and cried and prayed to God and right <laughs> right right exactly Yeah, so those are those levels of progress, right? That's why it's, like, super important to us that we keep relaying the message that no one knows how to do this perfectly. Like, it's totally one of our taglines is keeping the conversation going. It's really about us continuing to have the courage to just keep, I mean, like what you just shared there, both what happened to you and what you, both as a child and as a parent, it takes a lot of courage to be able to say that to even recognize that that happened, let alone then start to say it. You know what I mean? 
So yeah. just that. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't feel courageous when I'm doing it, but I do know that um, in the very beginning, um, you know, me keeping kind of my my elders away from my family, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. from my kids when they were little, because I was like, I don't want none of that. Um, but I don't mm-hmm. know that I know I don't feel courageous, but I, I just knew that I wanted things to be different for my family, for my kids. Mhm. Well, a lot of times with shame, um, you know, so this is like these facilitated community dialogues are sort of the lighter version of what I'll do with people one-on-one or in our peer counseling context. So what we start to see in those contexts is that shame has been used pretty violently against people to keep them from expressing themselves, from being who they are. Um, And, you know, that's the opposite of what we're trying to, to accomplish, right? We're trying to accomplish people being fully empowered inside of themselves and knowing how to show up in in the world and how to feel life affirming and life affirmed. And that can be really hard to do when you've had buckets and buckets and buckets of shame tossed on top of you. Especially on things like you're saying, Gina, like things that every human being does, right? I mean, that that book, right? Everybody Poops, such a good book. Such a great book. I like that one and the, the other potty training one with the, the little curly haired girl. I love that one. Uh-huh. Um, and it makes sense yeah, too about rye, right? About about rye, I think they're called. The the diapering technique that really tries to bring attentiveness yeah. to consent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I and and being really conscious when I change my kids' diapers and, you know, being aware of like, you know, is it okay if I do this right now? Um, you know, mm-hmm. and getting consent and permission for everything I do because they don't belong to me. Um, and mm-hmm. that's like a different um, ideal or mindset, I guess, than what my parents grew up with because they mm-hmm. they thought I was crazy when I asked the baby, like this little tiny baby who can't talk, you know, like, Mommy's going to change your diaper right now. Is that okay? And she, they're like, what are you expecting her to say something back to you? <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I'm like, wow. Like, I'm respecting my baby. That's all. And that a lot of us weren't brought up that way. So if you don't feel if you don't feel courage around you making choices to do it differently, then what what is helping you to make choices to do it differently? Um, just knowing, like, it's kind of like I guess the golden rule for me, like how I wish I would be treated. That's how I want to treat my kids. Mm-hmm. I just want something yeah. different because I I remember like. I guess that feeling was shame. Like, I didn't know what that yeah. feeling was at the time. I just was like, there's something wrong with me. Obviously, if, right. you know, my grandma feels like she has to pray for me because of something I did, like, I must be yeah. really There's something definitely right. wrong with me. Then growing up and finding out, like, it was totally normal to do any of the things that I did and that I didn't really need to be prayed for. Um, yeah. In that, you know, that was like um, yeah. a real eye opener. In a way that I was like, well, I know what I'm going to do. I'm not going to, I don't, I don't want to hit my kids. I don't want to treat them bad. I don't want them to feel those feelings that I had um, when they're around me. Yeah. Well, I would say that takes a lot of courage to do because you're having the courage to do it differently than it was done. That's a lot of what my mom did with me because my mom was beaten every day pretty much. And she, you know, made the same choice. She said, I'm not going to do that. 
it wasn't it wasn't always easy. Oh, I bet, and the backlash too is is kind of hard to deal mm-hmm. with um, mm-hmm. because I think your elders can take your different stance or the or you wanting to do things differently as an affront to them and their choices mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. feel like insulted by your choices, like because now like it's almost like you're shaming them because you're not going to do things mm-hmm. the way that they did. And so um, it, it can be very difficult. I don't know. Maybe I am crazy. <laughs> you know what? I'm cracking up because you're literally describing this video that my daughter showed me yesterday. So my daughter is um, almost 11. And um, she, so there's, um, you know, that one, of, one of the conversations around raising kids without sexual shame intersects with uh, social media, right? How are, we, how are we navigating social media with our children? Um, Joe Langford is another great uh, resource around these things. He's a, a therapist, but he's like started as a peer counselor in high school, and now he's, you know, a master's in therapy, and he focuses primarily on um, sexuality in teens. Um, so he and Amy Lang from uh, Birds and Bees and Kids, they both make this point that, um, and they're very research-based. They're research-based in a way that's different than Alina and I. Alina and I are very um, uh, people-based. So they, uh, there's, you know, what, what, is, what do they say? You, chances are the first week in middle school, your child will see porn. So their point in that context is, have you already had the, do, do your children, I think it was Joe that said, you want to make sure that your children already have a relationship with what sex is and what sexuality means before they watch porn. He's making the point that porn is not, um, he's not against porn. He's saying you don't want porn to be what sculpts your child's identity. So in that context, oh. right. Yeah. So in that context, with that with that backstory, um, he also says that um, you want to actually have your ch- children on social media at an age where they still engage you in conversations around it. So rather than waiting until high school to get them a phone when they've already kind of decided you don't know what the hell you're talking about and they're just going to manage it all on their own, you actually want to have them have it at a time where they still come up to you and they still have conversations with you about it. So my daughter has a Musical.ly account, which is this um, pre-teeny, uh, it's like Instagram, but music videos is the best thing I can come up with. Yeah, oh no, I li- my and, daughter has a music you know, account. You know what it is? It's like what we used to do in the mirror, but they record it. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. That is exactly right. That's what that is. And, and so she, right, we, we should get them to be friends. They'd love it. So she, uh, so she also sees YouTube. So she showed me this YouTube yesterday. And, you know, it was one of these moments where I have to say I was feeling pretty damn good about myself as a mom because she shows me this video. And it's an Indian woman. She's maybe in her early 20s. And she's hilarious, which is part of why my daughter's watching it. And she's talking about two things. Superwoman. One is Superwoman. Yes. That's her name. I love her. I watch her, too. <laughs> So have you seen this one where she's talking about um, respecting her elders? Well, it like comes up a lot. It's, it's a topic that happens okay. a lot there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, because it's, exa- it's exactly what you're talking about, right? Which is that she's just, like, I guess one, there's an, she, she plays all the roles, right? So 
So she's playing her auntie telling her that her, the auntie saying her son created the Facebook. <laughs> and Superwoman saying, no, she, no, no, you, no, you didn't. And then her parents are saying, don't you question your auntie, right? Like, it's basically like, you don't question the elders at all, period, the end. So yeah. it's that, that thing you're talking about, about that respect, right? Like is And she makes this great point in her own brilliant way, which is, you know, I can respect my elders and still know that what they're saying is not correct. Yeah, that's, and that's then the she, whole show. Okay, 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 okay. Now I have more confidence. It's the first time I've ever seen it. And so then, oh, the, but then the second part, the second part, she goes into this hilarious thing about jerking off, where she, when she first heard the term when she was little, because her parents never talked to her about sex, when she heard the term jerking off, she literally thought the boy's penis was coming off of their body, and she makes all these jokes about it. <laughs> oh, my God. Right? And so... So in the context of watching this, my daughter turns to me and says, what is that? And I'm like, so thrilled, right? Because here yeah, I am yeah. getting, yeah, yes. And I get to be a part of that conversation with her. What does it actually mean as opposed to, you know, her feeling like she can't, okay. feeling like she can't talk to me about it. Or having already been had a peer tell her what that means, or heaven forbid, somebody forcing her to somebody do it. Else future. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So right. all of these things. So that's every the thing. moment. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Every time, right? I have to take a deep breath and recognize that there's some shame and discomfort in the room for myself that I'm just going to dispel out so that I can be present as a parent on this topic that so much of society says. We don't talk about that, right? I have to contradict right. that. Well, that's the thing, you know. Like I'm, I'm, I was raised Catholic and Baptist, so. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> I mean, there's just like di- different shades of sexual shame, right? <laughs> um, yeah. And so definitely, you know, me even telling my daughter kind of an out an outside idea when she asked me at five years old what sex even <laughs> was. Mm-hmm. You know, and I had that whole, you know, when a man and a woman or a woman and a man or wait, or a woman and a woman <laughs> love each other very much. Yeah, right. When, um, when people. You know, <laughs> that, right. That conversation, right. Um, uh, that, you know, that this is how babies are born. And she was like, okay, thanks. And then that was it. Like, that was right. the end of that. And yeah. Then, and then, right. you know, but it being open to any time. And my mom, um, I, I think it came up like two years later. She was like seven years old and she's at my mom's house and um, somebody said sex on TV and. My dad was like, change the channel. And Ava goes, I know what sex is. And they turn around and look at her all scared. <laughs> and, um, and she broke it down to them about, like, what happens when there's sperm and egg. <laughs> um, and they were just mortified. They were mortified that she would know anything like that. And I was like, but when is she going to find out when she's 18, when she's 16? And, and it'll still right. be a mystery or in the back of a car somewhere? Like, No. Yeah. How about right. not making her the rest of her life be a mystery and let her be like in charge of how it all unfolds? And they right. they were exactly. just really beside themselves until recently they spent some time with her and she's thirteen and they're like, oh no, this is a really good idea. Good job. <laughs> but, 
but it's hard to get to that point. You've got to wait 13 years, you know, to get there for your elders to kind of go, oh, maybe that's, maybe that's a smart way to go. Because you yeah, can't hide them. Sure. When is it supposed to happen? Like you shelter them and then they're, they're going to find out all in one day and it's going to be okay? And it's going to be Yeah, safe? or I think, and I think some of where this, you know, us feeling passionate about doing this work is, comes out of uh, the work we've done with adults and watching the multitude of situations that that adults have throughout the course of their life, let's say. So let's say I have an adult that comes to me and is working on something, and we might not even know the source of what they're working on yet because it takes some time to uncover um, deeper wounds. And then we get to over and over and over again. And this is true for me. This is true for Alina. This is true for Terry. This is true for many of the elders that I have in my life is that they didn't have the education. They, they didn't have the wherewithal in certain moments to, like we talk about in the birth room, to advocate for themselves, to say what it is they want, to create scenarios where they knew they were safe or unsafe you know, or walk away from the situations where they were unsafe because there was no education around it. And that's a lot of, you know, one of the few memes I've made in relationship to raising kids without shame is to, you know, really draw into question, um, is it not a form of neglect to not sexually educate our children when we know that sexuality is something we navigate throughout the course of our lives? We wouldn't do that with so many other things, but why are we doing that around sexuality? It's to really stare that down and really, really question that um, usually becomes a conversation about shame. That's, that's the hardest part, I think, is, um, gosh, people are like, when is it too young to talk to somebody about something? Um, Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Let it back yeah. right now. <laughs> um, no problem. Uh, I think if you just, if you're honest with your children from from as early as humanly possible <laughs> and respectful, mm-hmm. I don't know that there's ever been too early to. It. I mean, human sexuality doesn't have to be like you said. You brought up porn earlier, and I think mm-hmm. that people think about human sexuality like porn, right? Mm-hmm. Because right. because a lot of maybe that was our first encounter with with sexuality might have been, and so yeah. like for me like I, everything that you said about that gentleman you have to like send me a link to his work for Progressive Parenting Radio for our Facebook page yeah. so I can share it with everybody because it's encouraging to me it makes me feel good as a mom that I'm still at that place right now at 13 where she still feels like she can talk to me. And mm-hmm. and she does, and she asks me questions like like that's a hysterical like what is jerking off? And is it gonna fall off? Mm-hmm. And like, what happens? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, she can ask totally. me stuff like that, like in the most conscious ways I can like describe it without making her or me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> um, yeah. And talk about what that means, and then she'll be like, oh yeah, oof, okay, yeah, I'm not ready for that. <laughs> and I and I yeah. love she'll have like that conversation out loud with me and with herself, where she will say. Yeah. yeah, no thanks. I'm not ready for that. Exactly. That's just something exactly. I want. And I'm like, and you might change your mind someday. She's like, I don't know. But but at least we have that conversation, right? Well, oh, and the fact that she's she even... She can at least come to you. Yeah. Go ahead. She's coming to you, and she's and what you're doing is orienting her to her own relationship to it. 
as a, and what, what we know, what we know as adults that have engaged in sexuality, uh, probably, is that when we start to get turned on or we, you know, we start to like feel our body and, and all the sensations in our body that can happen, it can be hard to find ourselves. So if we've never had the opportunity to find ourselves ever, and then all of a sudden we're in this wash of sensation and hormones and, and our brain starts to not even know if it can function anymore. You know, if we haven't ever had even one conversation to tether to our own sense of values and our own sense of decision-making, it's going to be all that much harder in the wash of hormones and sensations that happen when we're actually turned on, right? Oh, my gosh. So instead of hitting unmute, I hit hang up on Nicole. So hopefully Nicole will call me right back. And um, I do want to answer that question because uh, I really wish somebody um, would have had that conversation with myself at um, a younger age. Um, like Nicole was describing, you know, and, and um, I'm sure everybody listening right now, because this is a show for parents and adults, have all gotten um, caught up, hopefully we've all gotten caught up in um, the rush of emotions and feelings and you know, like where she said, where your brain's not working anymore, because it's not. Uh, at a certain point, you're like um, in a completely different brainwave state. You're either somewhere in like theta um, or um, alpha, or alpha, theta, or delta. And so those, those brainwave states are not the same as your normal everyday waking brainwave states. And the choices that you make uh, are going to be different if you've never had the background, if you've never, oh my gosh, it's so crazy that I'm in the loudest place on the planet. So, Nicole, you're back on the air, and I, I, so I would say, I don't know if you heard me at all or whatever, um, no. but I was just saying yeah. that we've all been in that place where we get washed away, like, you know, your, your body's feeling all these things, right? And then your brain goes into a completely different brainwave state, and yep. it's really difficult to make decisions in that brainwave state, just like when you're in labor, right? You're in delta, and so exactly. it's not your normal exactly. brainwave state. If somebody asks you a question, you're like, huh, what? And it's right. the same thing. Exactly. It's your first time in there, and at least... If you've talked to your kids, they somewhere in the, the back of their mind, if they can access it, they're like, oh, wait, no, wait a minute. I said I didn't want to do this. I wasn't ready for it. How about no? How about we just yeah. How about we just hang out, turn the lights on? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, right, but they exactly. didn't have that if they never had that conversation or if they didn't know what was coming up next, maybe. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And what they're, you know, like, I know for myself, you know, I was very lucky, fortunate that I had a mother that, um, you know, was in her own recovery from a lot of the things that she had been raised in the context of. And so she was a mother that was, you know, really trying to do it differently. Um, and so I knew about condoms and I, and I knew about part, I, there was just a lot that I knew. And so then when I was in situations where I was, the condom one is a really great one, right? Is when I was in situations where I would start to have sex. I knew at least there should be one. <laughs> right? Um, and the- <laughs> I love it. Yes. No, that's yes. 
you know, besides the complexities of who has it and how do you get it on and like, you know, I mean, it gets complicated in practice, right? But at least I knew that there should be one. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, I I only knew from a friend of mine who um, felt sorry for me when I was in seventh grade because I I didn't know how to cuss. I didn't didn't know any cuss words. Hmm. And, and she um, she came when I I went to the bathroom during math class and I didn't come back and she's like what happened to her so she came to the bathroom and I was in there crying she's like what's wrong she's like Garcia what's wrong that's my last name and I said mm-hmm. I think I'm dying I think I have cancer and she's like what mm-hmm. do you like Blake mm-hmm. Blake on the way over here and I said no I'm I'm bleeding and she's like what oh uh, dummy you're just on your period right. and then I could hear her get changed. Right. Out. I could, she bought me a tampon and stuck it underneath the, the door, and I was like, "What the hell do I do with this?" And she's like, right. "Stick it in your twat." And she comes back yeah. to class, dummy. And I was like, "Um, not sticking this anywhere." So I just went back to class with this giant wad of toilet paper. But she felt really right. sorry for me and like told me about everything. And I wish to God yeah. that my parents had, and not maybe her, because she was yeah. really wrong about a lot of things that she thought she knew. <laughs> right. That's right, that's right. And it wasn't right. tender, and it wasn't my mom, it wasn't my dad, it wasn't somebody who knew me. Mm-hmm. It was some kid I you know, didn't really know that well, who mainly just talked to me out of pity. <laughs> so you know, I was really... Kiss. I was really surprised by the number of women that came into our circles that had never been told that they were going to bleed. They they didn't have just like your story there, Gina. It's kind of phenomenal how many people were never told that they would start bleeding, it's and then all of a sudden, yeah, I, they think they're yeah. I knew about cancer, Nicole, but I didn't know about how my own body worked when it was healthy. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You're reminding me, you know, again, like. Because then I start to think, like, why didn't your parents talk about it, right? And I'm remembering that when we first started these dialogues, so, you know, this was, like, I don't even know if I had my second baby yet when we first started doing this. So at least seven, eight years ago. And uh, I had a friend that's a PhD in biology. Uh, She's a mom friend. And she uh, was telling me about her two-year-old coming up to her and saying, and I think maybe pointing to her pubic hair or something and saying, what's that, you know, and, and to watch this person whom I know is so intelligent and knows so much, um, really not have an answer (laughs) for her child. You know, that was some of what informed me that I needed to just start doing this. I just needed to start having some time and space for people to even start, you know, it's like in a very imperfect way, just start even talking about it so that we can come up with any semblance of of logic to hand to our children, right? When you have some of the smartest minds in our country not being able to clearly give an answer to their child as to what pubic hair is and why it's there, there's something in the way there, right? Makes me think of Brene Brown and all her talks about about shame. That's the thing, though, Nicole, is that um, trying to um, partner, like, oh, we have all these really smart people 
who can't talk about it. And it's not even, it doesn't have mm-hmm. to do with how bright you were, right? It depends on how no. much you were respected and how you were talked to as a child and how honest maybe somebody that you loved and looked up to and looked for for protection was afraid to talk to you about. And so yeah. um, I think this is something I'd like to uh, leave, leave our listeners with this. Like, it's never too late to start. It's never too late to heal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's never too late to re-examine and, and begin again. Definitely, definitely. Awesome. Um, this is definitely like a three-part series <laughs> because uh, I think this is a good place to stop because, I, I mean, if you're a brand-new person, like a parent, let's say mm-hmm. you were raised with sexual shame and you're listening to this and you have like a three-month-old mm-hmm. you're like, oh, my God, I can't even right now. <laughs> Totally. Um, I think it's a great to like let this information kind of seep in, or maybe you have an 18 year old, or a 14 year old, or a 12 year old. Mm-hmm. This is a good place, a resting place, I think, to stop, let it sink in, and then uh, have them look forward to our next episode, hopefully in January, if you have time, and, uh, and we can go from there. Nicole, tell everybody how they can find you uh, on the interweb and whatnot. Ah, sure. Okay. Well, the go to Facebook and go to Raising Kids Without Sexual Shame if you want to specifically look at this. And we post stuff up there to kind of mess with how you think about your sexuality all the time. And then also people will post questions or dialogues. Um, If you have any questions or dialogues you want us to put up there for community involvement, please um, private message them to Raising Kids Without Sexual Shame and we'll pop them up there. And then I'm N-E-K-O-L-E dot com. um, And that shows all the different things that I do. Da-da-da. You're so adorable, I can't stand it. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for the work that you do and the way that you do it and for being my friend and for being on the program. Thank you so much. I'd like to thank our listeners who were courageous enough to pick through the whole thing. <laughs> um, and listen to the program. If you have questions about anything uh, regarding our next program and our time together with Nicole Shapiro, please. Email me at progressiveparentingradio at gmail.com and uh, we'll get back to you regarding any of your questions. We'll make sure to ask them for you. You don't ever have to ask questions, um, you know, with your own name. You can always just email them, too, if you don't want anybody to hear your voice. It's fine, too. Um, and uh, we'll talk to you then, progressiveparentingradio at gmail.com. If you enjoy the programming that you have heard today, uh, please email us and we can send you a link to our PayPal and you can make a donation as we are listener funded. And again, this is our 10 year anniversary of sharing information with parents that you're not going to hear about through the mainstream media. Thank you for joining us. Thanks again to Nicole Shapiro. Take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Sorry about that. I didn't have my headphones this whole time. It's I wouldn't be loud. Okay. I want to be so good Little light If I ever Wake in the night I want to know I try my best with it
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.